Grace, mercy, and peace from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. It showed a lot of faith in Pastor Jeff to look at today's one-verse gospel lesson on circumcision and have the middle school sex ed teacher do it. But I promise you, I'm going to spend more time today focusing on those laws and certainly this idea of the naming of Jesus than I will on the first time Jesus bled for us, eight days before or after his birth, right? We're going to talk a lot about why, what happened, and why it is significant for us. What's important in a name? It was certainly the shortest gospel we've had. And looking at today's gospel, I think it makes perfect sense. One week after we celebrate Christ's birth, we move to this one verse in Luke that takes place eight days after his birth. His circumcision and naming. But why only one verse? If you're familiar with Luke 2. And why is this verse going to be important? I think it is very special that of all days, the Murray said, we're going to do the baptism today. Thought about calling and seeing about a circumcision with, no, we wouldn't do that in church here. We're, not for us. But it certainly helps us understand again how we are called by name. But we're going to start first with being held captive under the law. I want to go back to our epistle and read one verse, Galatians 3.23. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. I ask you, how do you feel about laws? I was very surprised by the depth and maturity of our children, weren't you? I expected a lot of thumbs down on rules and frustration, and I thought I had to kind of bring them around to the importance of rules. But Junior, I got you. Proud of you. It's almost like we set that up. We didn't. Would have looked good. I should have thought of that. That was great. Now, how do you feel about laws? Do you feel protected or hindered? I think a lot of times it depends on what's happening. When I'm tired of I-4 and I want to get to Orlando and I'm doing 10 over the speed limit, I don't want to see a police officer, right? But when I'm in an unfamiliar place or uncomfortable or worried about my surroundings, walking downtown to the Jaguar game, seeing a police officer might make me feel comforted. Safe, protected. How we view laws really comes from how we're behaving. What's important? When I uh, read that playground principle to our middle school, it's always interesting. The one year I asked them, who would like to get rid of a law? And one of them raised their hand and said, what law do you want to get rid of? He said, I want to get rid of people paying taxes. <laughs> I'd love to hear the conversations in that home, right? That's a great idea. Let's get rid of taxes. How are we going to pay for the police and the firemen and for the roads? And, you know, how are we going to pay for the, or no, it was the one they, they wanted to make gas free. Sounds like a wonderful idea. Who's paying for it? Who's bringing it to our gas stations? How's it getting made, right? Laws. We need them. I thought it was interesting in that verse 24, right after the first one I read to you today, so then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. 
thinking of the law as a guardian. When we think about a guardian, someone to protect us, the law is our guardian, keeping us safe until Jesus came. I don't think any of us have ever thought of the law as a guardian. And yet again, our wise children pointed out how important those are for us. But again, the laws we're going to get into in the next uh, section, the laws instituted by God for his people. And I think we're all reminded that we are justified by faith. Let me read to you just two verses out of Romans 3, 27 and 28. Then what becomes of our boasting? Is it excluded by what kind of law? By the law of works? No, by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. We hear that. We hear it on Reformation each year. We hear that when people get so caught up in following rules and trying to do the right thing, trying to be perfect in God's eyes when we know we are unable. It's not possible. We are sinners. And if we think our salvation, our faith, our place in heaven has to do with anything we think we can do, we know we're in trouble. And we see that right from the start today as we get into this. Faith instead of perfect obedience, right? Thank goodness it has to do with faith. Because we certainly can't hold a perfect obedience. Ever since Adam and Eve, sin came at the fall. And I would love to get into today again, why did Jesus put, or God put the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden? If he didn't put that tree there, they never would have sinned. And we would be robots. We would have no choice but to follow him. And he did not make us robots. He gave us free will. And I could speak 20 minutes on that. Since there's no Bible class or another service, I thought about it. But I'll save that for another sermon. That's a whole sermon in itself. Why did God put the tree in the garden? But since Adam and Eve have fallen, we have been under that sin. We know the laws were given to Moses. Twice, right? He came down and he said, these are the commandments the way we want you to live. I always love it when we go through the commandments first with the kids and we're like, I haven't broken half of these. Never killed anybody, right? I'm not married, I can't commit adultery. And then we get into what the laws really mean. Hatred, sexual lust, coveting. I still maintain ever since the internet and social media that the eighth commandment is the second broken, most broken after number one, right? The way people talk about others, the gossip, bearing false witness. <clears throat> then it leads to God's covenant with Abraham. And there was other covenants, covenant with Moses, but this was the covenant. God's people, this, you are my people. This is where we get into what it means to follow these traditions, what God gave to us. I want to read to you from Genesis 17. I'm going to take you back to almost very beginning. It's starting in verse 9. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant 
between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or brought, to your, brought with your money from any foreigner who is not your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is brought with you your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. Now certainly we saw today what that covenant looks like and where we become a child of God and where we enter his family. We'll get into that in the next section. But God made it very clear that you shall be my people. We've talked about that before. Who does God want to come to heaven? Everybody. He created all. All are his people. And we have this idea of following the covenant of Abraham, followed by these Jewish laws, which were put before, which we know many changed past with the coming of our Savior, where he was the fulfillment of the law. But I want you to think about this idea of being circumcised. The purpose of that circumcision was being renewed unto holiness, that even this child born into sin needed to be renewed. Did Jesus need to be renewed? No. So why did he do it? For us. The same reason we ask the question, why did Jesus go to the cross? He didn't have to. He was perfect. He did it for us. Why was Jesus brought eight days after his birth to be circumcised? For us. To be renewed. It wasn't for him. It was for you and for me. The pastor was talking about how Luther gets... A little far, it takes a deep, deep dive into this whole idea of what the bloodshed meant. And again, I want to focus on this idea of what's in a name. I'll leave that for pastor in a Bible class. It sounds like a great Bible class with the senior pastor, doesn't it? Pastor Jeff was sitting here and he turned to Marcus and Lauren, and he said, how shall this child be named? I bet most of you probably have a story behind your name. How are you named? What is it after? How many of you heard your, your parents' argument about how they came to your name? Anybody know the argument, right? I know I was supposed to be Stacy. Mom was expecting a girl. We look at our names and we think about what makes them. And I see a couple things I want to point out because I think it's important all of us understand. Number one is identity, who we are. Our names give identity. I never thought much about how important a name was. And, and I'll, I'll call out Ken, uh, my father-in-law. He's in church today. The first time we went to a restaurant, they asked for a name and he gave a fake name. I said, what name did you give? He goes, well, Johnson. Everybody has Johnson. There could be 20 Johnsons. I don't give Johnson. At that purpose, the point of the name was when they call it out, we know to go sit down. But you have to remember the name you gave them, right? <laughs> the importance of a name says who we are, what we do. When I go to Chick-fil-A, ask for a name, I always say pop, because I don't want to be another Michael, right? Names identify us. Daniel Charles, I've, Charles, I've called you by name, marked you in the sign 
forehead and the heart, one redeemed by Christ the crucified, one who went and was circumcised for us, who died for us, who rose again for us. Our names certainly have that identity. In the name of Jesus, which was called by the angel, you shall be named Jesus, the Savior, because that's exactly what he came to do. The name was the identification. And certainly the second part, I think, is belonging. The name certainly identifies, but it also shows what part you are, what your clan is, right? My grandma Priscilla was a genealogy nut. While we'd all go to Universal, she'd go to the library. And she'd study. She had binders and binders, like 17 binders, all the different names and genealogy and all the different uh, shoots off the, the, the family tree. And what was she looking for? Where did we come from and why? When great, great, great grandma, Gramke, our shoe stowed away and brought the kids over to get out of Germany, it says something. It talks about origin, story. How did we get to be who we are? How are the matchups? Where did they meet? It's belonging. We start to see where we're at. I'm so glad you guys had a baptism today. What did we say? We enlarged the family of Christ today. It's Daniel Charles had the water in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit poured in his head, and the Holy Spirit came upon him. He became part of the family of Christ. I love it. Mark 16, 16, who believes and is baptized will be saved, who does not will be condemned. How many times have you worried about your name being in the book of life, right? Where is the name most important? I was going to say, when you stand up and repeat the Apostles' Creed, and of course we do the Apostles' Creed during the service, so you already said it. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ, our Savior. I believe in the Holy Spirit, our Sanctifier. If you recited those words, guess where your name is written? The book of life. You are his family. Your name is written. The Holy Spirit is upon you. And we know why it is so important. Christmas was a wonderful celebration. And what did we keep pointing to at Christmas? Death and resurrection, why he came. Today is no different. Why did Mary and Joseph take him for the circumcision and naming? Because that's what God called them to do in the covenant with Abraham. Because that's what they were coming to do, and that's where Jesus was reminded. He came. He came because he renewed us in holiness. Jesus came to the earth as a baby, but he came as a savior for all people. It was foretold thousands of years before he came, that he would defeat sin, death, and the devil, and has been shared with all people for 2,000 years since. May we continue to invite people to be a part of our family and continue to point them to Jesus, our Savior. Amen.